For November 28th, 2022, it's the Overthinking It Podcast, episode 752. So, you think you can dance. Welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The overthinkers are your smart, funny friends from the internet, never happier than when we are uh, sitting together in an, in a uh, tryptophan-induced stupor, you know, uh, uh, eating leftovers, eating stuffing sandwiches, which I'm given to understand <laughs> is a thing. Carb on carb on carb. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's delightful this time of year and, uh, and talking, talking over the things, especially, you know, the movies go, <laughs> the movies that we watched to, together, the, the television that we watched, uh, together. Um, I'm, uh, I, we just had, uh, Thanksgiving here in the States and I am thankful for my good friend, uh, Pete Fenzel. Hello, Pete. How are you? Uh, hello, Matt. Hello, Matt. And Pete, thank you for you too. Yeah. It was very, it was very touching. I, w- I have to say, like, I was really touched to the point of like uh, getting a little dusty in the room Aww. when uh, when you said some nice things about me on the uh, on the Thanksgiving podcast. It, I I noticed it and I appreciate it and I thank you for it. I that's all know. deserved, and you're very welcome. Oh, bless you. I'm not sure about that, but it, uh, bless you, <laughs> bless you for thinking it. And uh, I'm also thankful for my very good friend Mark Lee. How are you, sir? I'm great. I'm very thankful to be here. I'm thankful to be the third part of the holy trinity of podcast hosts and of carbs. I suppose you invoke <laughs> carb on carb on carb. The three, uh, yeah, the three, the three carbs: uh, bread, the, di- the right, the three carbs of Thanksgiving, like the like the like the magi, right? Like the the dinner roll, the <laughs> stuffing, and the yam. Or the mashed potato. I don't know. This oh, yeah. is, you know, uh, sound off in the comments if you want. Well, you, got, you got to put mashed potato. I don't think mashed potato makes it on the bubble. I think mashed potato and stuffing are both up there, right? But I guess we we already did the Thanksgiving podcast. The yam, yeah, I guess the 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 yam is down is down there. I don't know. I I guess my my favorite carb, honestly, was the marshmallows that we put on top of the yam when we roasted them, which I would eat without uh, eating yams when I was a kid because to me they were orange and weird and kind of tasted sort of funky. So, uh, you know, that's, that's right. Okay. I, I demote the yam and, and, uh, at Pete's, at Pete's urging promote <laughs> the mashed potato, uh, as the, you know, the three gifts of, of Thanksgiving. You know what I did on Thanksgiving? Um, I'm not sure if you know this, but I live in Los Angeles, the source of all culture where mm-hmm. everything good happens. And I watched on television an amazing program, uh, it must have been made in Los Angeles, uh, because, uh, as I have said, we are the source of all culture. It was called the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. <laughs> and I cannot think of a better, of a more authentic, of a more present way to see this than to be in Los Angeles and watch it on the television, which I did this year, uh, on NBC. Mark, can you think? Of a better way <laughs> to watch I this. Can't. I can't. It was so, it was mad. It was so bleeding edge. Was <laughs> it not? Right at the, I mean, like, right at the bleeding edge, only three hours late. <laughs> there were, the, all the floats, I'm told, were not even like cartoon characters. They were just giant screens projecting the most esoteric TikTok memes. It was um, each for, float. For the crowds to roar uh, uh, in their appreciation. Was a Kardashian from Calabasas. Which is a neighborhood in Los Angeles. Another float just listed very complex driving directions to get from point A to point B. Um, all the roads starting with um, Snoopy. What are you the. doing here? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's uh, in case uh, listeners, in case you weren't clear, that was a whole bit. Uh, that's not actually what the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade is like. It is not does not occur in Los Angeles. No, it happens in New York City, Matt. The greatest city in the world. New York City. Yes, yes. I, I regret to inform you that it does occur in in New York City. Uh, it, uh, um, and uh, I, I'm here to give my first hand account. Of you it, were right? there. You not, were there. You uh, saw yes. it with your eyes. With my own eyes. It was not intermediated by the um, National Broadcasting Corporation um, and by your various local um, and insidious telecoms. Um, no IP packets were exchanged um, or sponsorships were um, were catered. 
uh, for me to enjoy uh, enjoy the parade. That's not true. <laughs> I, the, the sponsors got their money's worth by exposing me to their uh, their, their their various IPs, um, not not uh, uh, internet protocol, but actually intellectual property. Okay, so um, yes, I spent my Thanksgiving morning um, uh, in New York City. Um, uh, we didn't have to stake out a spot for the parade or anything like that. In case you're wondering what these, oh, what is it like to go to the Thanksgiving Day Parade? Well, we just trundled down 72nd Street and it's closed down to traffic and it's very wide. And so we can just kind of show up uh, as the parade is in progress. Um, and then you 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 perch your four-year-old on, on your shoulders and they can see everything just fine. Um, so major highlight certainly was. Where does it go? Uh, like, where does it go from? From from where to where? From the Museum of Natural History um, huh. on 77th Street in Central Park West, down Central Park West to um, the aforementioned Macy's department store uh, at Herald Square, 34th Got and it. Broadway, okay. 6th Avenue. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the highlight for us certainly was uh, enormous giant bluey. Um, we, of course, we talked about Bluey last week. In case you missed that, um, Bluey is a uh, recently very popular Australian cartoon dog in a beloved um, television show that is ostensibly for children but really is for adults. Um, so that was all very enjoyable. The balloons are enormous, by the way, when you see them in person. It is, it is, um, it is, it is quite a treat. It has this like really great visceral quality. You know what else is a visceral quality about the Thanksgiving Day Parade? Also, um, the marching vans. Um, I, I will say that we, we were, I was not quite close enough to actually make out any tunes. I think I heard one of the bands playing, of all things, the Magnificent Seven theme. You guys familiar with that? Uh, yeah, I dun, played it in dun, my house dun, like dun, the other day. Dun, 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 dun. Right. Yeah, it's a real yeah, banger. Yep. Right. Real banger. Um, I think I heard them play that. But best, more importantly, I kind of just like felt and heard the, the drums reverberate through the canyon halls uh, of, of the streets of Manhattan. Um, and so we had a great time. Yeah, parades are still a thing. Um, Mariah Carey shows up at the end to lip sync all you want for Christmas for you, inexplicably holding a parasol umbrella. Um, it was uh, it was not sunny, and it certainly wasn't raining um, on Thanksgiving Day in New York City in 2022. But she was there to uh, augur the great transition from the Thanksgiving uh, holiday into the Christmas tide um, time, uh, and she she performed her function. Uh, she collected a paycheck and all is right with the world. So that was my Thanksgiving. <laughs> what a, I mean, on TV, it's paced like, you know, cuts from float to float to float. And then the, they have a stage set up in front of the Macy's. I think they like turn onto 30 or certain of the acts turn onto 34th and like do a stage for camera version of whatever they're doing in front of the entrance of the, the Macy's where they've, they've set up a, uh, They've set up a, a stage. I, I hope they've set up a stage and haven't just like colored the concrete because there were there were people from um, what is it called? Some like it hot. The is there a a, a version of some like it hot uh, on Broadway right now? Uh, like tap dancing, and that's at the hell on your shin. You're gonna give yourselves shin splints tap dancing on concrete uh, if you don't have a raised uh, you know a raised stage with a sprung floor. But that's um you know they they did it and it was like it's very tightly paced because it's like cut 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 and you know one thing happens do do you feel like you're standing there in the cold without a lot of stuff uh a lot of stuff going on or is it like that that television experience or the the experience of like a disney world parade or a disneyland parade where they like really they pack a lot into every you know five meters so that uh so that you're never bored you always have something kind of a new scene to look at uh, I, I like that you put Disneyland or Disney World Parade there as a, uh, a, a cultural touch point, which we should all be aware of. I want you to explain that a little bit more because it's been a solid couple of decades or so since I've seen one of those. Um, no, it's more the former, what you just described. Uh, it's, uh, you know, a, a giant balloon goes by and you wait a little bit and then you hear some music play and then you wait a little bit more. Um it is uh, it is not quite the sensory onslaught as the uh, of the the, the L A uh, extreme TikTok version of the Thanksgiving Day Parade that I just described uh, that would be as I imagine it. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry to disappoint, Matt. Does it? I mean, Pete, have you been to to a Disney property recently? I mean, not during the championship season, obviously, but do you recall the Disney parades? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's been a long time. I think the last one I actually saw was I think it might have even been. I don't know whether it was Disney or Universal Studios, but I have a vivid memory of the last one of those crazy parades that I was at involved the dinosaurs from dinosaurs, like looming surprisingly over my head. Just like looking up and seeing the dad from the TGIF show Dinosaurs staring down at me while. uh, Wow. Yeah. While. while, um, That's a hell of a thing. Yeah. What is the band called? Something Say Something. 
what not what say what yes say yes something like that once say once i don't know what it's called but they the guys who do open the door get on the floor everybody walk the dinosaur um <laughs> and that was playing oh so goodness. i have this memory of this thing that happened maybe i was in a coma and this was some sort of fever dream <laughs> maybe, maybe are you Disney visited and- are you visited in your sleep by the cast of dinosaurs no, this inexplicably happened at Bush Gardens, the old country. Yeah, Not exactly. to mama. Not to mama. Gotta love me. We had the 3D board game of dinosaurs, which uh, had a giant uh, cardboard version of the baby. Uh, card back, I suppose, yeah. rather than cardboard. Just, th- this, is, this is the thing like we, we uh, tell to Gen Z uh, kids at our workplaces, right? To tell them, like, when I was your age, we had a show about dinosaurs. And it ended with the with their apocalypse. <laughs> the thing that happened is like, what, Grandpa Fenzel? Get out of here! No, I just I just ask them about the things that are important to them, and like, don't act like there's anything that exists that's important to me. <laughs> so I, every once in a while, I'll be like, yeah, I saw mm. Top Gun. Silence. It was really good. <laughs> like the thing about the thing about Disney parades and why I think they fit better in Disneyland or in the Magic Kingdom at Disney World better than a lot of other theme park locations is that like parades are I, I don't know. You have to think of like parades as, as being occasioned by something, you know, like we're, we're talking about the Thanksgiving parade. So it's, you know, it happens in, in Thanksgiving and it happens in like a public setting, in a civic setting, you know, and down a, down a public street in New York. And the, the kind of old timey, uh, nostalgic Americana, uh, aspect of like Disneyland Main Street, which is like the main artery through which you enter the Magic Kingdom, you know, is perfect for that. And it's, even even though the the parades are from Disney properties and stuff like that, and are not necessarily like I don't know, like the high school marching band or something, or like you know the the uh, the homecoming parade or something like that, that that actually has like uh, import to a to a little town to a municipality, right? Um, that it it fits in that space, you know, the, and they the the parades uh, even at the other Disney properties, I think, are not. I don't know, they they don't quite. Uh, they don't they hit different i guess is is what i mean to say and in in other theme parks but these things are designed they're so uh, like like every, everything you know disney experiential really like they're so well designed to be um I don't know, to just like be, there's always somewhere to look. It's always clear kind of what the main character is at any moment. They're spaced out in a way they move at a, a, a pace where you like, and are spaced out in a way where you're always looking at what you should be looking at for as long as it's interesting, you know, and then you go, uh, and then it moves on. Then it go. Then it like goes away, and is the the next thing comes. I mean, they're just like they're these these remarkable feats of of entertainment engineering, and probably almost impossible to replicate in any environment where you don't control absolutely uh, every element of the of the presentation. So actually, like in a in an actual <laughs> municipal parade, it would be impossible to, you know, orchestrate the number of things. And I think like, you know, you read like occasionally like the behind the scenes articles about this and they're like, you know, positioning like uh, probably now like what ultra wideband positioning technology so that like the the music and if it's uh, evening time, like the lighting is all always appropriate, is always adjusting and it changes you know through the through the whole thing and the the um the uh, progression of the floats is is done in this automatic way i mean obviously i'm i'm uh uh pretty horny for disney parades i guess but the <laughs> the like the i just i don't know every time i every time i go i'm 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 uh contemplating my once a year uh pilgrimage to disneyland which i do around christmas time to see the uh decorations and to you know drink in their uh holiday magic so that I don't have to do any work putting decorations up myself. I, I saturate my satiate the appetite so that I don't I don't uh, miss them. Anyway, that's what I was thinking about about Disney parades and kind of the pacing of them. Mark, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a good example. Kind of like put it at almost like at, a, at the top of a, <laughs> a food chain, a food pyramid of a pyramidal hierarchy of uh, of parades, right? And then somewhere like in the middle of it is going to be like what. This hierarchy is like a, a lot about like structure and like 
um, uh, uh, consistency of, 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 of visual and audio stimulation <laughs> for the audience, right? Somewhere further on down there, and this is not a purely linear thing, I'm going to throw just like kind of a more typical municipal parade. Like a few weeks ago, uh, or a couple of months ago, I think in October, I, I just stumbled across the Polish-American parade in New York, right? Which is a much more typical affair, right? Where like, you know, you'll have a band come by, you'll have some sort of live act, and then just be like just a civic organization, with signs all dressed in the same outfit and that's kind of it sure. right and then you know throwing, someone in a, in a, throwing in a, in a, pierogies out to the waiting <laughs> throwing to the adoring, to the adoring throngs pichonic wumpki out for, to the for new york's hottest party the polish american day right <laughs> um there's also i'm just gonna throw this under the pile and i think pete also needs to kind of uh come in with yeah, his pete. recent recent uh um parade experiences but like there's the whole this is like almost like a category into itself. Maybe it doesn't even belong in this conversation. The New Orleans Second Line Parade, mm. right? Which is like a, a, almost like a moving party, maybe more of a moving party than it is a parade. That might be something for discussion. But like uh, that, it's like you know, there. I'm not no, by no means an expert in it, but I did. I did uh, experience one of those, and I had a great time. Um, this is not like the you know the the huge spectacle that you have in Mardi Gras, but this was like you know, uh, you know, at least I don't know, a couple of bands, kind of you know. Um, and uh, we're playing, playing their music through the streets. Uh, you know, um, uh, you know, a, 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 an audience kind of uh, followed along. There was an occasional block party sort of thing. It was a very loose and casual sort of uh, a thing. And it's not the sort of thing where you stand on the perimeter and it just passes by. It's more like you kind of like, uh, you know, go from the audience into a participant, which is a, which is a, which is a casual and fun thing to yeah, do. That is, that is, that is interesting. Maybe, maybe we should stick a pin in that one and get back to it. But I really want to know, Pete, have you been to any parades recently? <laughs> yes, I went to Santa parade, uh, yesterday. It was great. This is the, so <laughs> the Santa parade is a small municipal parade. Uh, and, and I speak of it as if it's a sort of thing with many faces that you can find in many places. So each, you know, a lot of the different towns up here have their Santa parades. And we have the choice every year of going to our town's Santa parade or the Santa parade for the town next door. And we have gone to the Santa parade for the town next door both years because it matches better with our child's nap schedule, which, of course, stinks because I'm, like, involved in the civic and cultural life of my town in some fairly major ways. But it's like when we go to Santa Parade, I mean, they have it during my kid's nap. I can't go. And we're not going to go without him. So it's basically like I'm not going to go at one to a parade. Uh, I'm going to go to a parade at noon. So uh, if you're listening to this, anybody at the town manager's office – don't hold the Santa parade at one o'clock. It's too late for kids to need to take naps. Um, but this is a very this is like the opposite end of the distribution from the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade or the Disney Parade. These are parades where the organizations that are in the town, whether they're civic organizations or businesses, it really seems to be who wants to be in this thing. You know, who wants to march in this parade? There's obviously a certain amount of work and support and social organization that goes into it. I would also compare it to the Memorial Day parade that I went to. So we went to a Memorial Day parade. I don't think we went to a July 4th parade. We went to the Santa parade. My little kid had a Halloween parade at his daycare. This is like the scale of parades that I've gone to lately. And it's very different from living in New York City and going to the parades there or even like living in Boston and caring about the St. Patrick's Day parade and whatnot, even if you never go there. Um, it's more about avoiding it, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And so like so um, the Santa – I wanted to express a couple of thoughts about what's going on at these parades that I'm going to because it feels like there are certain standby organizations – um, oh, and I guess I would add, and, and I guess my hot take for all this is that there's a very, very thin and permeable barrier between parades and protests now, where I think a lot of the social energy that previously went in parades just goes into protests, and, and a mm. lot of the protests are essentially parades. Mm. Um, <laughs> where uh, mm. not, not all of them, of course, not all of them, but like a solid chunk. Uh, uh, and I think that what comes with that is the sort of exclusivity of like people who I don't like don't get to be in my parade. And a parade, of, an official parade that acts in that way, some somewhat seems to be acting more like a protest. And this goes back to the notion of parades as 
Military exercises? Okay, I've gotten a little far afield. Let me break it down a little bit more. Why do all these towns have parades? The towns all have parades because people from the towns were in the military and self-identify with the military a lot. And so you have civic organ, right? That, that's my understanding. And you have civic organizations that put together parades. A lot of them were veterans. Uh, you know, it might have even gone back to the time when the, the troops would actually come through the streets. But over time, there's been a change in kind of what public exhibition means. And I think pe people who study the performing arts spend a lot of time talking about how it appeals to protesting and uh, to, you know, the way that sort of social change is advocated. But don't look at boring things like regular civic parades, uh, which which have become much less challenging, I think, in terms of what sort of statement they're making about stuff. Um, and I think the change that's happening is just the, the degree of performance has become much more important. So like when I hear about the Disney parade, when I hear about the Thanksgiving Day parade, I think of them as performance art pieces, not as civic shows of force. I guess the Disney parade is a civic show of force, but you know what I mean? And right, and, yeah. and so when I think about these parades kind of moving organically from some sort of notion of what they ought to be, like what is the Santa parade generally supposed to be like and what is it? like now, which is sort of like if you don't look at your 401k for a long time, if you have one and you look at it, you're like, I don't know why I have that. And it's like, oh, everything else I have went down. And now I have this <laughs> like, OK, I guess I should rebalance or something. But like over time or I mean, other examples of that is just like you go to the grocery store a bunch of times, you buy the same things. Then you look in your cabinet and it's just jars and jars of herring. And you're like, why do I have 50 jars of herring? And it's like you never bought 50 jars of herring. You bought one jar of herring 50 times and didn't eat it. Right. And then you and then you uh, you ate everything else. And so it looks like you only have herring. Um, these things drift. And so when I would expect things like, OK, the firefighters, the police, right, the school system, you know, children's groups like scouts and sporting events, I would expect there to be a lot of charitable organizations to be present in the parade. Got to have them Shriners. Right. You got to have the Shriners in their little cars uh, at the parade, maybe some classic cars. I, when I think back to my civic parades in New Jersey, you know, back then it was like a classic car was like a Model T. Now a classic car is like, well, I'll tell you about that because there were some really fun classic cars at, at the Santa Parade. Um, was it a four Taurus, Pete? No, there's actually an El Camino Society. <laughs> like, I'm not okay, sure. Okay, okay, all right, that's legit. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's like an, there's some sort of El Camino Society, and I don't know how tightly or loosely they define an El Camino per se. They are clearly not Utes generally. There are no Holden Utes. There are no, like, Australian imports. Everything appears to be either strictly an El Camino or, like, very El Camino adjacent. Uh, but there were a whole bunch of El Caminos in the middle of the Santa Parade, right, which is like, okay, so the El Camino people are like very enthusiastic. And so you have like a big overrepresentation of El Caminos as as like what people think about when they think about Santa in this relatively, relatively small town, not a small town, small town, but a relatively like, you know, modest suburban town in eastern Massachusetts. Um, here's the drift that I thought was really interesting. Marching bands way down. Like there were there were two marching bands, the high school marching band and the local college marching band. And the local college is uh, Merrimack College, which is, I believe, a, a relatively modest Catholic school. Modest. I don't know about their morals in terms of size uh, that's up here in this area. And their marching band was tiny. You know, it was like 30 people, something like that in the parade. Now, granted, who you can get to show up to go to the parade is another thing entirely. Um, but like both marching bands seemed like small. And, and kind of like disinterested and, and they really didn't seem to fill the space. Right. Like uh, they just it just seemed like the parade was underweight marching bands where I would have at least expected. Now, maybe this is because there are multiple Santa parades and there would have been other local marching bands from other schools nearby that would have joined if it were like one big regional Santa parade, not even regional, but like multi-town Santa parade or whatever. But like in parades up here, you have the battle which I hope is a battle. I don't know if they ever think about it between the, the, the modern marching bands and then the historical reenacting drum, drum, drum and fife corps. Right. So like there's an intense rivalry. Yes. Yeah. I, I would assume so. In this case, the drum and fife people only brought one drum and no fifes. Uh, what? The, Memorial, the Memorial day parade, the drum and fife people really acquitted themselves, but you know who crushed all of them were the Highlanders, the bagpipe band, that showed up with bagpipes and bass drums and like really crushed it. Right. Nice. Um, but, but, but the thing that crushed everything to like a really 
really significant degree was dance troops, which I thought was really interesting. The local dance schools all want to be in the Santa Parade. And they have internal politics and rivalries among themselves, which I've heard a little bit about, but won't disclose anything about that. Like, I, I know some people who are on the ins on the various internal, you know, this area of, of Massachusetts dance dance uh, schools. But like the dance schools were fielding like hundreds of people. It was crazy. There were just like huge blocks of dancing, like 10 year old girls. Right. Like um, and I say girls specifically, there was like very little representation of, of anybody other than that. Right. Like um, in these dance groups, like there's like a full on like Rockettes group with like like the, the red costumes and the white trim. And I think they were tap dancing on concrete, like as has been mentioned, which, you know, if you're willing to do that for Macy's, good on you. The Santa Parade is not worth your patella tendon. Right. Like like it is not worth it to hurt yourself to do this. But it was like. Man, the dance troops were out in force and the dance, the dance troops outnumbered the people in the dance troops outnumbered the people in the marching bands. I'm going to say five to one, um, maybe six to one. Uh, and, and you there is no hard minimum on how many people you need to have to have a dance troupe. And there's a pretty big hard minimum on how many people you need to have to have a marching band. Um, and I just thought it, that was really telling about like. Um, oh, the Shriners were driving little big rigs. They sort of reinvented themselves. They had kind of like uh, 18 wheelers, but they all seemed really old. So I hope that the Shriners stick around. But like it was like a lot of El Camino society, whole ton of dance troops, relatively small number of marching bands to the point where they were almost on par with the historical reenactors. And like and what that says to me is like. And not a lot of politicians or anything, like very, very small number of like politically engaged people. There was like a van for the Lions Club. There were a bunch of plumbers and, and HVAC companies that drove in trucks and like had floats and threw out treats to everybody. So like the plumbers are becoming like a non-trivial unit of civic organization. And like the people sitting next to me were like, oh, they're the best. Those guys, they really helped me when I was having trouble, right? <laughs> like, like, so like what's sort of on the wane and what's on the wax is interesting. When I pitched this idea, I wanted to, I said, well, we should talk about the end of parade. Do they have like a cute so, name? Is it like, you know, the Mario Society of Plumbers or something? But the, you know. The, uh, no, it was all just the names of the, it's the names of the last names of the families that own the plumbing company. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Just like with a big old truck. You know, um, there was a pretty cool surf rock float where they were uh, they were playing, uh, you know, surf rock, rocking around the Christmas tree type Christmas carol-y stuff uh, right at the beginning. I think they might have been sponsored by a plumber. Probably not. I'm probably making that up. Mm. But like, but sure. like, yeah, you know, you surf the half pipe and the plumber gives you yeah. the full pipe. <laughs> but it was like, OK, what are the what is happening in these communities that makes people want to go out and walk in the street and show it off? Uh, what makes them feel like they belong to a community that's part of this bigger community in a real world anchored way? And like in the past, I would say that music would be a big part of that. And it seems like music is on the wane. And the Memorial Day party was a much bigger deal. I had a lot more people kind of marching under, you know, various sorts of military uniforms although most of them were from the 18th century because <laughs> it's massachusetts and that's kind of what we do um but uh and there were more classic cars but it was like very very much like instrumental music seemed specifically to be way down whereas dance seemed to be like doing pretty good right um, not necessarily like I'm not saying that dance is like succeeding at the expense of instrumental music, but it was like this didn't reflect to me a like unilateral disinterest across the board in any sort of artistic expression. Um, there seem to be places in the community where like art is being fostered, where people are doing art. It's specific groups of people who are identifying with doing it in specific ways. Um, I'm not necessarily going to say that every little girl who joins a dance group or a dance school is like totally thrilled to be there. I've heard my share of horror stories. I'm sure you have, too. Um, and I want to say they're all like that. But like, you know, you marshal you marshal a march at force like that. And, you know, you got to be a little bit suspicious of some of them. But it's like, man, you know, it was just it just I wanted to raise that to you guys like instrumental music because we all come from instrumental music backgrounds. 
right? Like it's specifically met in a marching band <laughs> and, and to see the marching band is just like a parade, a civic parade is like home court for a marching band. And to see the marching bands fading from that makes me feel like they're like really fading. Like, like that this is an art form that's like really starting to really has like gone pretty far down the road of falling seriously out of favor uh, and is being replaced by other things, which is fine. But like, what are they? And of course, they don't go to parades. Is it? Um, Pete, I mean, that's, it's this is interesting, right? Like, is 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 it that marching bands are falling out of favor or are the the institutions that support marching bands either falling out of favor or less able to support marching bands, whereas dance studios, which are by and large private enterprises, yeah. are are ascendant, right? That kind of that kind of like uh, institution is is ascendant. I can't think of a non if if your high school loses its music program, right? Like yeah. I can't think of another source of marching bands. For, for teenagers, unless you are super hardcore on like the national stage and like march in drum and bugle corps or something like yeah. that. Drum and bugle corps is pretty much the only other show. Yeah. But, but yeah. that's like, that's not like a, you know, that's not a, a little town in Massachusetts parade level thing. That's like, no. uh, that's a Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade level, uh, you know, level undertaking there, right? Though I, I guess they do it mostly in the summers, right? Because of the, the schools that they're in. <laughs> so the, right. So that's, that's the, um yeah i mean that's that's what's uh that's what what i mean i would suggest that that's what's going on but like the the um with the result that it's not you know that that this uh this tragedy this tra- you know they're coming the marshal you said marshal a force you know in describing these dance these dance uh schools they're marshaling a force against us pete they're marshaling <laughs> A martial <laughs> force <not>. and marching, <laughs> martially marching on marching bands. Uh, you know, pirouetting. <laughs> you know, doing doing. They're they're gonna knock your knock your trombone out of your hand with a grand batma. You know the the <laughs> like. It's uh, a yeah. you know defend yeah, I, I, gird I gotta, your loins, Pete. They're they're coming for us. They're coming for our brass instruments. First. Throw a bunch of furniture in the street and unfurl a giant banner that says, roughly translated in French, so you think you can dance? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, let me go back to what I said at the outset of the show. I made this joke about, oh, it's a TikTok parade, right? I mean, is that kind of what's going on? Ooh, interesting. So the idea is that because TikTok is a venue that's mainstream and popular – and dancing is part of what you do in the venue, then mm. that gives dancing more currency yes. as an art that kids feel connected to, want to be involved in. And right. Related to that, the type of music that marching bands are good at playing um, uh, lacks cultural currency these days. But what you mean, like, you know, uh, what was it? the planets. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Stars, and, like stars and stripes forever. Beyond <laughs> the traditional band repertoire, like you know, um, music that comes from like you know the the the, the pop rock oeuvre, but like, prior to hip hop, like all of that, right? You know, marching right, bands right. play that music well. Um, that music is no longer popular or as popular, nearly as popular as you know the, the various you know hip hop derived uh, genres are now. Therefore, uh, marching bands and that type of uh, marching bands are on the decline. That's that's right. that is that is a hypothesis. Yeah, I mean, that's what a, I think I should I, I should add before I turn it over to you, Pete, is like you know we, we tried to do a little research here and trying to get some like hard numbers about like you know are Archie bands popular? Are these types of instruments you know popular or not popular? You know, uptaking uh, kids these days in, in schools and things like that. Like a, a, a quick bout of research did not uh, yield anything definitive. So like you know we'll we'll keep hashing this out in the Discord after the show drops. Yeah. So like we were hearing some tell that there's been big shifts in the kinds of musicians who are showing up in freshman recruiting classes, but we don't have quite enough data to really speak about it with like a ton of confidence. But it seemed like the idea that you would play an instrument in order to get into college, largely because of the financial support of your parents, was and and through independent study as much as through studying in school, would dictate that you would not play tuba. Right. Like they, like that, you know, if your parents are like, we, you need to learn an instrument so that you can get into college, it's not going to be the French horn. Right. It, that's going to be you, you, you come to play instruments like that because you see yourself as being part of a band. Um, you know, it's going to be something like a violin that is a little bit more generic. Now, granted, that's not to say the violins aren't part of an orchestra, but I just feel 
I don't know. My sense is that that it carries that sort of, you know, there are certain instruments that you just play because it's smart to play them. And there's other instruments that you play because you see yourself as belonging to an ensemble. And I think it's a hard thing to see yourself as only one performer in an ensemble of people when you have no mechanism for putting that ensemble together yourself. Um, you know, also with their big and shiny and, and relatively expensive stuff. But but yeah, so we don't really have hard data. And I think we would also suggest from some of the other stuff I heard that marching there are places in the country where marching bands are still thriving. And a, one of the big ones is the HBCU scene, I believe. And there are other ones, too. But that the idea that you could transform a marching band through influence from hip hop is like not an, not only not an absurd suggestion, but something they've been doing for like many years. So it's sort of like, you know, yeah, that train, uh, that train has already left the station. That's yeah, like, exactly. you know, yeah. So like drum that, line, that, that time, parade flow. Right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, it, but it's interesting, right? It's like, it, it makes me wonder about, I mean, you think about a couple of ways, because when there's our own emotional attachment to, instrumental music which i think is you know valid because it's our experience and and uh we can only be if if one believes that subjective experience creates bias right then like we must admit that we are biased in favor of our subjective experience and like oh well we're humans right like we we like playing musical instruments and uh, I think we got something out of it and we're sad if there are people who would like to do it and could get something out of it and they can't because the underpinnings, which were mostly done through public institutions rather than private institutions, aren't as supported in doing this sort of thing as they used to be. Um, or also because the sort of end goal of music that informs what sort of instruments or musical practice kids take up has moved away from even plausibly involving a trombone right like like we are not even in the ska revival anymore right like uh we are, it's more like you, you know you could play drums you know that kind of thing um i guess i don't know if does anybody go on tiktok to play trombone is there a trombone specific app that is a competitor to tiktok that has like <laughs> that has like 10 people in it who are all standing in the back of the room cracking jokes well this was i mean the, the, it would be tiktok right like it, that was the thing like, i remember yeah. a, t a while ago someone it might have been mc hammer for whatever reason mc hammer is, is associated with this memory in my mind it was like hey i want to start a, a an app that's like youtube but for for dance you know and it's like we we have that it's called youtube you know and that's uh like the the trombone tiktok will be tiktok but it's it is i don't know maybe maybe you just need to train the algorithm you need to curate your uh your searches and your swipes very carefully in the uh in the tiktok app i mean i'm gonna go again like we're biased and we're human and and whatever but i'm gonna go out on a limb and say like i i think that it's actually there's more there's more to be gained for a society to encourage people to do the instruments and do the things where you see yourself as a member of an ensemble or you see yourself as like uh, cooperating and participating in, you know, bringing out a, about a desired outcome collectively uh, in a band, in a play, you know, it's also like in, in dance could be the same thing. I mean, I, you know, I have uh, back from the days when I was a professional musical theater performer, I mean, doing all that like unison tap dancing, that was um you know i don't know that that uh scratched that itch for me uh a little bit but i you know i don't know is it, there's probably not like a, a a single mode of dance student but like if there is a modal dance student you know going to the uh going to the local to the like the the neighborhood dance school you know do they see themselves as a rocket or do they see themselves as a, a actually as a contestant on on so you think you can dance right is like are you are you training as a virtuoso to to show yourself off or are you, are you training as a uh as a um uh, you know, as a, what, as a member of an ensemble. And I, I mean, I'll say like from, from personal experience, like I started, I was a, you know, a, a really young piano kid, um, and started like, uh, tra training, studying with like a really intense teacher, uh, when I was nine, 10, uh, 11. Um, on the piano, uh, do, do, I, don't know, I could tell stories. I won't, but the, the, um, I, I sort of burned out, right? Like I, I burned out as a soloist and stopped, um, and really never actually 
have really recovered or never really developed the, the, playing technique like i'm I'm a you know above average piano player but the the people who really do it you can you can recognize and i'm not uh, i never became one of them because i i stopped you know developing at that age and then came back playing playing jazz in high school as part of an ensemble you know like and and kind of rediscovered the the love of the instrument so i am biased uh i am biased in that that particular way that i think the i don't know i think the collective ones are uh, are better. Um, Mark, you, you're different in this because you play an instrument that is both a, you know, a rhythm instrument and also a, uh, guitar god shredding, uh, solo instrument. So you actually can like live on both sides of this fence. You might have a unique perspective here. Well, not so much unique, I think. It's ultimately like, you know, you, you need other people to do that thing. Right. You know, it's just like, you know, one person, you know, wheelie, 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 wailing away on the guitar is uh, not, not, uh, not that's not special, but it, it, um, it, you know, it is, it becomes much more than the sum of its parts, you know, when it, when it, when it sits on the rest on the scaffolding of, of a collaborative um, musical enterprise. Um, I mean, like, really what this whole thing makes me think about is like, you know, what we've, I don't want to sound so much like kids these days kind of things. Right. But like, you know, uh, the, you have this like trajectory of, of, of music that goes from like, you know, an entire village, like, you know, in order to entertain themselves, they must have a, a large, you know, community band. Right. And that was of course a phenomenon and you can go see the, the music band um, to see what that was all about. Um, you know, getting, you know, re- reduced in size to something that like, you know, you can, uh, with, with the, Thanks to amplification technology, right? You know, a, a group of four people. You know, it's still a communal collective experience, but a smaller one. Um, you know, and then you know, projects our sound to a, to, a, to a large group and affects a large emotional um, um, reaction from that. And then to kind of its current state now, which is like you know, one person with a laptop will produce a beat and then upload that beat to YouTube, and then someone else will download that beat and by themselves, you know, uh, produce a track for that and then give the world. Old Town Road, which is an actual thing that happened there, right? That is the tra- trajectory that 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 brought us Old Town Road. Um, I mean, we, I guess we can map all of that onto the all these social uh, social phenomena that we keep talking about on this uh, on this this episode of this podcast, but many other podcasts uh, about you know isolation um, and the lack of that that collective experience, like you know. I'm not going to say that's entirely all that, right? And I really, really don't want to come off and sounding like, you know, kids these days, um, you know, uh, don't know how to get together and make music anymore. But like, I'm going to put that idea out there and, and, and as as as, an, as something that there there's a little bit of there there. I'm not going to be too bashful about it either, right? Like, no, so wait, what's the trend. idea? Can you recap it for me? Oh, sure. Yeah. Just like, you know, just backing up this entire assertion here, right? It's like, you know, the, the, um, the, collective social phenomena that were required and you know 100 years ago to produce music that would uh, affect a reaction at, at scale just keeps getting reduced and reduced so that you just don't need other people to really to do it anymore you can do it all right, by yourself right, right, in a very right. isolated kind of way and that is like all all of that is very antithetical to this notion of like hey let's put our bring our music out to the community in the platform like a parade right Right. So the idea is that now here's what I'm curious about is, are there actually kids like does ha, is this resulting in people actually using these platforms or is it more like, well, the platform exists. And thus we assume that there's an opportunity. But perhaps the opportunity is not being taken advantage of like like how it's more like how important is the incentive of social belonging to persisting in making music it is a sort of i don't expect it to be answerable but it's sort of like like you could sit at home and make electronic music and i'm sure a lot of people do it i know a lot of people do it but how many people do it relative to how many would play music if they were part of a group that played music especially on like a daily basis or a weekly basis. And I'm wondering whether we think of ease the wrong way when we're thinking about incentive and inducing behavior, right? Um, not we, but you know what I mean? I mean, I guess is that, that's probably not a particularly controversial. No, I mean, that's, that's actually that like hypothetically suppose this might be a, this might be like where our podcast becomes the old man yells at cloud podcast, right? Because suppose we are uh, three youths, you know, 
Um, and we, uh, we understand that this generation does not go to rainbow parties. Um, they, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they, they sit inside and occasionally goad one another to self harm. Um, no, it's, I shouldn't make fun of, uh, the isolation of the, this generation of kids, especially after the pandemic forced it on them and stunted their, you know, uh, uh, stunted their psychosocial development. But that, that like, suppose I like to make music online, right? And, or I like to make music with my computer, you know? And I, I think for a second we have to genuflect to the idea that that's, you know, that's legit, right? Like the computer, yeah, the, the digital audio workstation is a, is an instrument, right? It's a different technology than the technology of the piano forte. But like, you know, with every ad- advance in, in music technology, there's been uh, old men yelling at clouds about it. So, you know, okay, I make music with my digital audio workstation. Maybe there's some like forum that, uh, that, you know, I can collaborate and share. I can like, we can like mutually remix. Maybe it's SoundCloud or something that, you know, you can uh, participate with other people. Maybe there are better ones that will, you know, allow you to do it live in real time so that there's almost kind of this band thing going together. And it doesn't look like, you know, uh, it doesn't look like music as we experienced it or, uh, you know, as we appreciate it. And so like, yeah, okay, maybe there is this, this other, um, you know, underground, this, this, uh, the online underground of computers talking to connected to computers where, uh, these kids today are, are doing music, but it just doesn't lend itself. Uh, it doesn't lend itself to, um, to parades, you know? Uh, and that's that I, I am still though, Pete, a little taken with Mark's, Mark's thing of like, if I can do high kicks in my living room and then digitally reproduce myself 500 times, you know, is that, does, does it take over the, the, like the emotional valence, the kind of like awe inspiring, a thing that you get when you're watching the Rockettes, you know, and you see the, like the, the precision, um, I, I, I think not, but it is easier to produce that effect, you know, with some kind of, some kind of filter or something like that. I mean, I'll, I'll give another example of, of, of music as well. Like, you know, in, in the past when I would have more spare time and, and, uh, ambition to record, uh, songs on my own, right. I would do the thing where I would record myself singing the same thing like four or five times over, right. And that kind of to create uh, that anthemic sing along type of effect, right. Um, sure. It's easy to do. Um, is it the same as having like four sweaty dudes in a recording studio, like all belting it out together? No, absolutely not. And yes, well, you can tell the difference in the final. Well, but if you if you'd done a lot of jumping jacks beforehand, you could have gotten sweaty before you. You know, there. was enough. it the? Oh, it wasn't the sweatiness. That was the. That was the thing. Yeah, I mean, you you know, you get another timbre with the with a different voice or something like that. But I don't know. Double tracking vocals is, I guess, it's more a recording trick. Um, it's a record of something else than being the uh, a record of an event, uh, which is the event of people making music in in a room. But I I don't know. I I kind of rambled a little bit about about some hypotheticals, and I I want to uh, know what Pete thinks or how he responds to my. Uh, my uh, hypothetical music underground of, of, you know, DJ remixes of DJ remixes all the way down. I mean, I've been thinking about it. I think that EDM is really underrepresented in the public acknowledgement of culture. Yeah. I think, you know, um, considering that it is, it is the modal music, right? Like if, if you listen to music, if you, you know, most of the music you hear is probably light EDM as a, like a music bed underneath a video or underneath like a television commercial or something as like, you know, something inoffensive in a, in a waiting room or in a store and something like that. You know, it's, it's probably, it's probably not top 40. It's probably is EDM. Sorry, Pete, didn't mean to stomp on you there. No, 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 it's fine. And, and like, I mean, the D in EDM is always a little bit tricky because I don't know how much Ding people are with their E and Ming all the time, uh, <laughs> dancing with their electronic music. But I, I would love to have a better sense of how much of this is actually happening. Uh, you know, you know, and and especially as somebody who who as part of my job, not part of my job, because not my job job, but part of a public office that I hold, am trying to ascertain the arts and cultural unmet needs of my community. Right. Like if there are a whole bunch of people who are like, what if if you were to casually make I don't even know what would the example be 
Because I would hes- I would say like, well, GarageBand, I guess. I would say GarageBand or SoundCloud or stuff. If there are people EDMing at home, what are they doing? What does it look like? And, and how many people in a town of X size are likely to be EDMing at any given time? How big of a share of the cultural experience of the people in, in town or the city even is this? I have no idea. I, and I mean, I'm not going it, to is get it EDM idea. without the D? Yeah, and and even and even so, like the Ding is often happening in environments that mo- many of the people in the town just can't participate in or won't participate in. Like, I'm not going to go to clubs. Like, I can't. You know, like I have a family and responsibilities and stuff. I can't go clubbing, right? Uh, and 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 I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, I, and so I, I guess I could go to like festivals, I guess. Like what dance clubs even are around here? I don't know. So it's 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 interesting to consider that like I have a – and also are – It's actually music- it's actually Miss, uh, Miss Davis's uh, dance school, you know, and, and yeah. uh, <laughs> I doubles. They like uh, – they drop yeah. black curtains over the mirrors and they have a, a whole lighting package and they, yeah. you know, turn on. The, the pianist who, who accompanies the, the, you know, plie warm-up exercises yeah. actually uh, starts playing, uh, you know, ETM and that's uh, – yeah, that's how they do it there in yeah. uh, your town. And and also, yeah, I'm sure I actually used to live next to a yoga studio that used to do that. They used to have like trance parties uh, with the yoga crew. I was intrigued, but but never pulled the trigger, was never willing to actually go. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, but so I guess what I would say also is like the fact that music education in schools is something of a defensive action. It's like, let's try to hold on to what we have and doesn't seem to have a lot of verve in terms of doing new stuff. Right. Like or let me rephrase like like growing. Right. It's like it's on the defensive. Um, I would love to know what schools are doing. If you work for a high school or or a middle school or whatever. Right. Like and you're at all involved with like a school EDM project. I would love to know what's going on. How common are they? Uh, you know, like our kids actually learning how to do this. And then once they learn, what do they do with it? What, what, you know, how does it get actualized? Like are people becoming DJs? Are they releasing their own music on particular platforms? Like what's happening? Um, so, so yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I, do you feel similarly about this, I guess, or. Um, I, about what, uh, about what part specifically? Can you state like, the question like, again? What, just like, Okay. I want to know because uh, in order to be involved on the kind of civic level, there there has to be an involvement with public institutions or with a private institution that wants to be known as part of the community. The most likely place that this starts is a school. Now, I don't expect there to be a DJ school in a lot of towns. <laughs> Maybe like like when you consider how many dance schools there are there, I would be surprised if there were as many DJ schools as dance schools. That would be awesome. Uh, and hilarious <laughs> if there were like three different DJ schools that I passed on the way to work. Right. Well, I guess I work in my home, so I pass zero. But you know what I mean? But more like, OK, if the schools, if the public schools are where a lot of this stuff, where a lot of the sort of bulk of engagement with music by practitioners is happening, then like what are the public schools doing with electronic music? Because it's not in the parade. And that's when to bring it back to the topic of of the subject, you know, the the these things are not in the Santa Parade. They're not in the Memorial Day Parade. It seems like that would be kind of dumb intuitively. But like the intuition, if this is truly the popular practitioners music of the community, then like it makes sense that if you're having an event to celebrate everybody lives there, you know, that you would include it. You know what I mean? Um, and and, and that you would make an effort to include it. I only have a partial answer to this question, Pete, okay. which is that, at least in New York City, this one particular New York Public Library, which um, is worth noting to add that it is, like, presumably, it has a name of a family foundation attached to it. Right. So it is not purely a public library. Sure. But they have a stacked, like, teen area with um, multiple computers with digital audio workstation hardware. And right. software set up there. I didn't see kids, you know, like hunched over at, at the thing with their headphones and like, you know, hitting that drum pad and making some sick, sick beats. But that is absolutely what it's there for. And presumably they have classes that they run there um, to teach kids how to make the sick beats. Gotcha. So in New York City, they would have stuff like this at, at a couple, at least this particularly fancy library. Yeah. Public okay. Library, yeah. OK, OK, OK. Now, but they would what they march in the parade. You know, I. I 
I don't know. I don't know parades to say definitively. Like there are maybe no, the right there, cultural. There's parade. no EDM at any. Yeah, like there's, there's probably EDM at what like a carnival parade or like a. Um, yeah, but is it made? Halloween I mean, parade? is it made live for you in the same way that that you know marching band music is made? made live for you right like it's i think part of the the thing is that it's happening now and that it's like there is actually like a difficulty in coordinating a large group of musicians stretching over a city block and that that kind of thing so how could you create as opposed to having a truck that rolls around with a big set of speakers and someone they play yeah i mean like part of the 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 difficulty is part of how you create stakes you know what i mean And, and the stakes are what bring interest and so you'd have to you'd have to make it like really difficult for them to (laughs) to uh to eat for these for these notional right for these uh these you know hypothetical culturally with it uh musicians that we're we're hypothesizing exist somewhere in order to uh, you know to make the parade in order to um yeah uh, in order to to make it into a thing i i have a different pitch i i think okay. uh, Pete, you have to explain uh bands as a kind of you know distributed autonomous organization Right. Okay. And that's, that's, and that's, that's, uh, that, that you go and you get distributed a non fungible tuba. Uh, uh, <laughs> and, that's, and that's how you, uh, you know, that's how you get the kids, the kids into it, right? You call it, you call it crypto jazz band. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and that's, uh, you know, and that's, that's arts education solved for you right there and funded something, something money will make it, will make it happen. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, that's too- great because the government will never listen to it. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. That's how you keep regulation from that's how you keep the budgets from being uh you know from from being squeezed. You know, I I don't know. It's it's interesting. Let's let's throw this out to the listeners. How about? Um as a uh you know, as the kind of the discussion question for this, like what are the uh what are the institutions that we could you know, establish your support, uh, and you know, at the level, not, not us, the three guys talking into microphones on this podcast, though, you know, who knows, maybe one day, <laughs> um, the, uh, the, uh, where we could do, um, you know, where, where we could bring, uh, bring about the, attention and kind of participation and civic participation with, you know, forms of music that might have more currency than marching bands. You can, uh, sound, uh, send off on the comments in the show notes for this episode. And, um, I head over to the discord if you want, uh, you know, if you, uh, if you want an invitation to the discord, email me at podcast at overthinking I'll send you a link. And, uh, you know, we can have a, we can have a conversation about it there, about your own, uh, experience in, you know, various arts activities and, uh, how you think that, that, um, these things could evolve to support the, you know, very real benefits that this sort of collective participation in this sort of activity has, uh, for kids individually and for, for, society. In the meantime, um, you know, we uh, live in the world that we live in. And uh, we, we think music education uh, of the, the you know, uh, plain old style is is still uh, pretty important. And, you know, you might notice that that we just passed, uh, we just passed Black Friday, uh, which was normally, I, I should say normally, what what is what is normal even anymore. Um which has historically been a time in which overthinking it published a gift guide. Uh, the, um, the, uh, point of which was to raise money for like a big sale for your marching band. The point of which was to raise money for the site by, you know, having a bunch of affiliate links. And also it gave us a chance, kind of fun chance to reflect on the, uh, the movies, the music, the TV shows, the books, uh, the comics, you know, and, and the, the merchandise, uh, that we did that, uh, that we enjoyed over the previous year that supported our, uh, overthinking it lifestyle. I'll, I'll never forget Pete's review of the Yeti cooler. That was a, uh, <laughs> that was an exceptionally, uh, special one uh pete especially because it it contained a reference to the country song is it called buy me a boat um 
You I know? believe so. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, that yep. that was the first the first I had heard of that song, which which later came to play a, a big role in in my life. The first time I went to Nashville, it was the first song I heard in the in the first honky tonk we went to. Oh, I'm glad um, I could have prepared you for that great adventure. It was it was wonderful, <laughs> Pete, and I felt like yes. yeah, I felt like I was uh, yeah, exactly. I I, I walked into that honky tonk. It's prepared. dangerous to honky tonk alone. Take this. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that that should be the the motto for the bands for the for the new. <laughs> for the new bands we're starting. Anyway, so we uh, would do these gift guides. Um, in 2020, it just didn't seem like the right time for a couple of reasons. One, because uh, there was so much need in the world greater than our little website. Uh, it you know, it seemed uh, churlish not to acknowledge that. And uh, two, you know, because our, our members take care of us. Our members uh, make contributions of uh, $5 a month or uh, if you pay annually, $50 a year. It's about a dollar per podcast, which I think is, you know, we hope we provide that that amount of value. And we're, we're grateful for the people who recognize that by contributing to the site to keep the lights on around here and do, uh, you know, other, uh, other things like that. We're, we're pretty well taken care of. I mean, you can always become one overthinking com slash join. Um, but, uh, we don't need to, to raise a lot of money for, for, anything right now. So we want to uh, put the overthinking community to use for good. That year, the uh, 2020 summer, uh, uh, 2020 Christmas movie challenge, um, involved uh, people making donations that supported the Actors Fund has been uh, renamed the Entertainment Community Fund, uh, which is a charity that helps out uh, uh, people in entertainment in dire straits. Um, if you have an extraordinary uh, medical need, if you have a uh, housing emergency, you know, if you have a, an education, a child's education emergency or something like that, a, a dire need um, for financial support, this charity that helps out people in the entertainment community. And we pulled together uh, a sizable donation for them. Uh, we did it with a, a kind of uh, uh, what uh, sort of jogathon approach, right? <laughs> like where we uh, said that for every uh, $25, we would watch a Christmas movie, every $25 that were contributed. And uh, we'd watch a Christmas movie and write or podcast about it. Well, we're going to do the same thing again, except we're going to do it music themed this year. Music themed. So we are opening up the 2022 Overthinking It Holiday Music challenge. And uh, we're going to, uh, you know, undertake this challenge in support of a music uh, education charity, something that supports uh, music programs or something that directly gives instruments to students. Uh, we are still identifying the specific charity, but it will be a, uh, you know, it will be a, a deserving and effective organization. We'll, you know, uh, do the research that we need to do to, to make that. Um, and so we're going to put out the call. We would like you to uh, contribute through overthinking it to music education uh, in the U.S. There will be links in the show notes where you can go and kind of read about how it works and where you can make a uh, make a contribution of money that we will pool with all the other contributions that overthinkers make um, and uh, donate that to... Uh, donate that to a worthy um, organization that is supporting music education. But not just that. There's more. Um, up to $1,000, overthinking it is going to match dollar for dollar your uh, contributions. So we will double your impact um, in uh, supporting music education with the, the uh, contribution that you make. So, you know, if you give $20, we will end up donating $40. If you give $10,000, uh, we will give $21,000, Sorry, I can't do math. Someone else had probably better run the accounting part of this. Uh, I was an English major. We'll give, uh, the, because it, you know, stops at, uh, our, our matching grant that we have, um, is up to, uh, $1,000. And so we're, we're really excited to double the, uh, to double the impact. But wait, there's more. For every $25 we receive from uh, Overthinkers, we will listen to a Christmas album and write or podcast about it. In fact, not just Christmas, any holiday album, any winter holiday album. Uh, I'll, I'll try to put a little, uh, a little field on the, the form so that you can, uh, write a note about what kind of album you would like us to, uh, you'd like us to, uh, cover. If you have a suggestion, we're happy to take that under advisement. So, uh, you know, if we have, uh, a thousand 
dollars worth of uh, worth of donations pooled from the overthinking community will cover the credit card uh, processing fees. Um, not only will we double that to two thousand dollars, but we will listen to. What is that? We will listen to 40 Christmas albums. <laughs> oh, God help me. What am I committing us to? 40 Christmas albums among the I will th- do it, Matt. I will get on it. John Tesh is on speed dial. I'm going to make this happen. <laughs> oh, and we're not going to make it. We're not going to make it easy. It's not going to be, you know, Bing Crosby and David Bowie, uh, uh, singing <laughs> the little drummer boy or something like that, you know, in that, that famous TV special. No. Cue the Mannheim steamroller. Cue oh, yeah. the, the, the Shantner Shantsmiss <laughs> Christmas album. Cue the, I don't know, Pete. Yeah. That's a, John Tesh is a great, yeah. uh, great, great example. Yeah. And we'll, we, uh, as I say, we're taking, taking, uh, suggestions and we will write or podcast, uh, about them. And then, uh, also one thing we did in, in 2020 that we'll, uh, repeat is that everyone who contributed, uh, we did a big video conference where, um, where we all hung out together. I, I actually made our donation online. You know, I screen shared so that you could see it was quite, it was quite a, uh, fun thing to like try to hide the credit card number from the Zoom, uh, the Zoom video call. And we, we, you know, made that gift together as a community. Um, and we'll do the same thing. Uh, we'll do the same thing this year. So, uh, to recap, please, uh, find the link in the show notes. Go to support the 2022 holiday music challenge on overthinking it, support uh, music education, and uh, make us listen to some bad Christmas music. Uh, you excited? You excited for what's coming, guys? Mark, you ready to listen to some uh, Christmas music? I'm ready to listen to Christmas music. I think I might be ready to make some Christmas music as well, since we Ooh. mentioned we were all instrumental musicians, Ooh. and there's going to be a live gathering at the conclusion of all this. I think some holiday tunes might oh be. Oh my order. goodness, Mark! Will Yuletide carols be sung by a choir? But the choir is just five Mark Lees doubled on a digital audio workstation <laughs> and twelve shredding guitars. Yes, <laughs> yes, Matt. We can Excellent. Make that I love that, Pete. I, uh, you got the John Tesh queued up. Any any other things? Happy, excited, scared, uh, sad, trepidatious, uh, worried? How do you feel about this challenge we're undertaking? I mean, I'm I'm hundred percent psyched. Hundred percent psyched. If you if you've ever wanted to hear me talk about Amy Grant, I've <laughs> held myself back all these years, and I would finally just totally get into some some breath of heaven for all of y'all. If you want to hear some Amy Grant Christmas, uh, no, no, no. We we could. There's a lot of Christmas albums out there, and uh, and in fact, and I, I mean holiday albums. I'll expand it. I'll go find a Diwali album. I'll, I'll do it. You know, it's all good. You know, like it's going to happen. So I'm going to throw a bunch of my own money in this to force myself to do this a bunch of times. <laughs> Excellent. So I'm, I'm stoked. We love to uh, we love to hear that excitement. All right. Find the link in the show notes. Go uh, donate to support music education and uh, enjoy the excellent holiday music content to come. Thanks very much for uh, your support in advance. All right, guys, let's leave it there. Uh, this has been Overthinking It. Thank you for listening. And thanks, Mark. And thanks, Pete, for, for podcasting. Uh, we'll be back next week with more Overthinking It podcast. Till then, you can visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It, it probably, probably doesn't, doesn't, doesn't deserve. deserve. And that's what it'll sound like without music education. That that that's what it sounds like. Exactly like that. Uh, yes, yes, yes.